You know, uh, I, I'm always, uh, so I'm a little ADHD. My wife uh, suffers from ADHD. She doesn't have it, but she lives with me, and so she suffers from it. And, and because of that, I just see people, and I come in, and I say hi, and all. And I was in line there at the wonderful Southwest uh, Airlines, you know, where you line up, and you're all punched in with five other people that you've never met before in your life. And we were talking, like, well, where are you going, and what are you doing? And I mentioned that I'd be here with you this morning, and, and this older gentleman, he probably had to be uh, 75, 80, he said, well, young man, do you know Pastor Ken Shepherd? And I said, no, I don't know that. He said, Ken Shepherd pastored that church a long time ago. You know, yeah. And he said, he said, he told me that he had a leader in the church who was adamant that he ended a sermon in 30 minutes, no more, not a single minute. And he said he spent the money to get a big clock put back in the back of the service so everyone could know when the 30-minute mark was. He said one time Ken Shepherd told him he ran over, and that guy got up and left his seat, and he's in the back of the church going like this. <laughs> And because I'm ADHD, uh, you guys in the back, y'all watch the time and, you know, you give me the signal, but I'm, I'm glad to be here. I am, uh, uh, I love Borger. Uh, I was here for a number of years and ran a children's home. Uh, and during that time, uh, Craig and Lisa Jones, uh, Carl Winnell, Cassaberry, the Kennemers, and the Mills, and there were others, uh, planted a church and th that became a merge with this church. And so I'm glad to be back, it feels like, home and getting all the love that, that we've had. We had a great time. Wives, uh, I can't tell you what we talked about at the men's event. It's like Vegas. We don't talk about it, but... Hopefully, it will, what, what men left there with was a challenge to be moving towards you instead of away from you, to move towards their kids, to do the hard things and move and, and be courageous in their churches and in their community. And hopefully, you will feel that impact. We're uh, going to be looking at... God, finding God at the crossroads this morning. Finding God at the crossroads. So what I'm talking about, when we think about crossroads, we're thinking about those challenges and, and times when we're trying to make a decision. And sometimes it's a, it's a decision between something good and something bad. More, more often than not, it's a decision between something that's good and something that might be better, and it's just hard to make the decision. And we're sitting on the sidelines trying to figure out. I believe evangelical churches, the evangelical church at large in the United States is at a crossroads. I believe we're at a crossroads. In 2019, 4,500 evangelical churches closed their doors. That was before the pandemic. <laughs> then the pandemic hit. 4,500. Uh, we have... We have more churches that we can't find pastors for than any time in American history. And, and y'all are struggling with that here, right? With a youth pastor trying to find that role. A, a survey came out in March. This was the results came out from a March survey of pastors that found a little above 40% of pastors are thinking about leaving the ministry for good. It's the highest that's ever been measured within evangelical churches. And we're at a crossroads. 
I, I get to work with a lot of pastors in the ministry that God has me running, the Crucible Project. And uh, last fall, we gathered pastors from all over the United States. And it was, it was an exercise in listening more than anything else and supporting and being with and helping. And the amount of pain that they have gone through because of the divisiveness, not only in our culture, but in the church through the pandemic has just left them wounded. Uh, some of them described what I think Jesus might have felt when Judas came and betray, uh, betrayed him and, with a kiss where some people that they've done life with, they've been in the hospital with them, they've buried their relatives, they've married their kids, just left because they didn't agree with some decision that happened at the church that week. So we're at a crossroads like globally, and particularly in America, around evangelical churches, but but as far as you and I are concerned, we might have some challenges that we're at a crossroads in our personal life, like whether we should jump into a different career than we have or whether we should have the hard discussion with our boss about a raise or a position that we've been wanting and how we get from where we are to, to there. Or you may be like some people who you've had a little side hustle going, you've had a, a business running and you've got a steady job and you're thinking, is this the time to jump and to start my business and go all in on it? Or maybe... You're, 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 uh, you're at a crossroads in your relationships. <clears throat> Maybe some of you folks who are single are wondering whether you should ask him or her out, right? That's a crossroad kind of decision. Um, Maybe you've been married a long time like me. Uh, if you've been married over 34 years, raise your hands. Yeah, we got a bunch in here I can learn from. Deborah and I have been married 34 years, and, and maybe, you, maybe you're at a crossroads and something's been going on in the relationship, and you're like, do I let status quo stay, or do I have the hard conversation because that might cause some grief in our relationship? So you're stuck, you're at the crossroads. Or maybe it's even more serious where you're thinking about doing relationships God's way or some other version that kind of fits with the culture of today. Or maybe, maybe you're really struggling in a crossroads situation where you've had some desire of your heart and maybe it's a desire to stop some unwanted behavior that you're engaged in or You've wanted to take your relationship with God or your, uh, to move into something that is really aspirational for you and you're stuck and you're scared of what it could be compared to what it is, the known versus the unknown. And maybe some of you are, are, are here even thinking about some things in a, si a room this size of whether or not you you really want to live anymore. So I, I hope today to look into scripture to see how we can find God at the crossroads. Turn with me to Joshua 1. Uh, we're going to do 1 through 9. Joshua 
1, 1 through 9. If you've got your Bible, uh, it's, it's page 292, if it's uh, in mine, and so I don't know what yours is, uh, or you can dial it up on your phone, that's faster. All right, so read along with me. I'm, I'm reading from the NIV. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan into the land I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place you set your foot. As I promised Moses, your territory will extend from the desert of Lebanon to the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life, and as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And I will never leave you nor forsake you. So be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give to them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses has gave you. Gave you. And do not turn it from the right or from the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. And do not let the book, this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on, on it day and night, so you may be careful to do whatever's written in it. And then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you will go. God bless the reading of his scripture. So I want to give you a little context for this scripture. Uh, you may remember that Jacob, uh, the God wrestler, right? Uh, his name became uh, Israel. Israel had 12 sons. And, uh, and somewhere along the way, he ends up getting all of them into Egypt because there was a famine in the land and Joseph had gone before and he was the Pharaoh and he saved the whole nation. So they find themselves in Egypt a few centuries later and they are slaves. They were slaves, we think, for hundreds of years. And uh, Moses comes uh, at, at, his, at God's bequest to set them free. And you remember... Uh, after the night where the angel of the Lord passed over those who had done the right thing uh, and killed the firstborn of the Egyptians, there was, uh, they, la they fled. They grabbed everything that they could and they fled. And they're on their way away from the slavery that's been kept, kept them for so long. And they get out in the middle of the desert and there's the Red Sea. And they do, they do two things. Number one is, they complain about where they are. They complain that you brought us out here in the middle of nowhere. It would have been better for us to, to stay in Egypt than die there. And number two, they were blaming. They blamed Moses. Why did you bring us here? And God worked a miraculous thing and got them through that situation and they go out a little further on their trip to the promised land and they run out of water. And they complain and they blame. And God and Moses provides. God uses Moses to provide. And they go out a little further and they're hungry. And they're worried about not having enough food. And they complain and they blame. And God uh, provides with manna. And they come to the brook, uh, the, the Jordan River, they come to the place where God has promised them and they send 12 
12 spies into the land. And they come back and they, they decide together, the 12, with two, two having different reports, but they decide together, number one, we're not gonna be able to take them. Their walls are too big and they're too strong. And number two, we are like grasshoppers to them. We're like grasshoppers to them. And they murmured and God left them in the wilderness for 40 years. Moses is still the leader in those 40 years and they are murmuring, the Bible says, which is a different way of saying they're complaining and blaming, complaining and blaming. And they're here at the prefaces of the, the 40 years of wondering and Moses has passed and they have a decision. Like, what are we gonna do now? Because this generation, all they've known is wandering in the desert. There, there are a few who are alive, uh, Caleb and Joshua. Uh, and, and so they're at this place. Let me, let me ask, do you ever get into situations where you complain and blame? Let me, let me define that for you. Complaining is just stating the situation in the worst possible way of what's happening to me. It is some form of saying, poor me. Like you could put your, do this with, but put your hand up here like this, like, like a victim. Oh, poor me, you know, poor me. Oh my, my boss, I have a new boss, poor me, you know. Uh, this, the lady in front of me uh, uh, in the, in the drop-off line always like, it takes forever to get her kids out of the van. Poor me. You know, it's a poor me about it. They, they, uh, they ran out of my favorite coffee mix. Poor me, you know. Uh, and, and we do that. We do that with traffic. We, I do that. We do that with uh, our relationships. And then the blaming. That's the other thing we do. We blame. Blaming is saying it's your fault. That's what, what we're doing. It's not my fault. It's your fault. And, and it usually sounds something like this, they. They, they ought to do this or that. They, say it with me, they, they. Now, now you've gotta put a little like, attitude in. They, <laughs> they, they've changed the, they changed this or that, it's their problem. They ought to do something about this, right? Uh, you know, they is anyone that's not me. It's the other party. It's those people who look different than me or talk different than me. It's you people with hair. They are the ones who are destroying our climate with all their you know. But they, and we, and we get into habits of they. And here's what, here's what happens. We, we come up on something that is a crossroads in our life, and I believe we have fear because we don't know what to do. And the, and the first automatic response we have is to complain or blame. And we get stuck in it. We get stuck in that place of complaining and blaming where it's not my responsibility and I don't know what to do. And here I am with this crossroad. And this can spiral us into, into depression and anxiety. This, this can spiral us into a move away from God instead of to God, being in that complaining and blaming place. Let's look at what the scripture says about what to do with this. I got five points and um, I don't see the timer, so I guess I can go as long as I want. Okay, thank you. So first point I got is uh, God sets up leadership. 
Where are we? God sets up leadership. So I want to look at a few things. It says that uh, uh, Joshua 1.1, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, so God sets up Joshua to be the leader. And later in, uh, I, I don't know if it's in this chapter or the next, he's presented to uh, the, the Jewish people at the time and says, God set me up and everybody's in agree agreement with it. Look, we have trouble, especially in America, with following. Anybody else have trouble with following? That somebody else is actually in leadership and has some authority? Uh, does anyone agree with everything that's happening out of D.C.? Okay, yeah. <laughs> and so we, we, ha we struggle with leadership and authority. And, we, and we've done that over the pandemic in really big ways in churches. I, I wonder if you really believe that the leaders that hired less did it with prayer for God to guide them in that selection. You believe that? Yeah, I do too. And do you believe that less... And each of the appointed pastors, but specifically less, do you believe that the elders and the deacons, the, the body that's making decisions here at this church, are doing their best to follow God's guidance and continuing to support less and making the decisions that have to do with this church? I, I think it's interesting that... Well, let me ask it this way. Uh, how many of you are Dallas Cowboy fans? And how many have been Dallas Cowboy fans for 10 years or more? Raise them high, raise them high. And how many of you who have your hands up? Keep them up. I want to see how many stay. How many of you agree with all the decisions that the Cowboys uh, coaches and, oh, oh, they're all going down, have made in the past 10 years? No, we don't agree. Some of us are more attached to our sports teams than we actually are to our community of faith. Like, when, and, and, and Terry Jones doesn't have any authority over me. <laughs> not, certainly not spiritually. And, and so I want to challenge us, uh, if you hear somebody complaining about something, that one of the things that we've got to realize is that God put people in leadership, and if, if we are doing it in a prayerful way, he has selected who the leaders are. If you want to join with, if you want to join uh, with the solution and not complain and blame, there's room for you. There's room for you. I've got to say, Les, I said this to you yesterday whenever we connected. Um, it is rare to find a pastor who's been at it in the same community of believers for as long as Les has. And I just want to, if you feel, pre if you feel like honored that Les continues his work here, would you just show him an appreciation? Yeah. And what I've, what I've noticed is a church that's alive right? There's youth, there's a multi-generation, this praise band, you know, I don't know who was back here, I only saw the top of her head, but it was wonderful, yeah, and just, oh, it was you? Oh, well, I, I just, like, bless you, bless you less, yeah, want to hold your hands up and keep going. All right, number two, number two, Joshua 1, 5 says, um, no one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life, 
as I was with Moses, I will be with you. And verse 9 says, have I not commanded you to be strong? Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So, so here's a belief that I think is right, jumps out at me out of this scripture is that God is with me. God is with me. God is with you. God is with you. Look, there's a difference between uh, how we feel about whether God's with me or not at any moment and whether he's really with us or not. Let me give you a for instance. The psalmist, who was a man after God's own heart, right, felt alone and away from God. He said sometimes, where are you? Where are you, God? I believe even whenever I don't feel God's presence with me, when I don't sense it in my being, he's still with us. He was with me in the worst decisions I've made in my life, he was there. He was with me and you when the very worst things that have ever happened to us happened. He was there. He was with us. And he's still with us today. So no matter what you're facing in your crossroad, God is with you. And usually it's something in us that's getting in the way of us really feeling and sensing his presence. But he's there. He's still there. Number three, God calls you and me to be strong and courageous. Joshua 1, 6. It's like a, rep, you know, it's like a broken record here. Be strong and courageous. Verse 7. Uh, I lost number 7. Be strong and, and very courageous, he says. Verse 9, um, for have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. There's this like theme going on with God. When we're sitting at the crossroads, when we're afraid and we don't know what to do, when we're worried about which direction to go, when we feel ourselves complaining and blaming, God's saying, hey, take courage. Be courageous. Face your fear. Look, I think there's a difference between uh, fear that is uh, God-given and built in and having uh, and living in a place of fear. Those are two different things. And I believe that it's not a sin to have a fear show up in your life. It is a sin to, not, uh, to, to live in that place of fear. Let me give you an example. I think God built, uh, science is showing us this, a radar system within us for things that might hurt us, might hurt our hearts in some way. And usually that radar uh, discovers some things during childhood and adolescence and early adulthood, and that stuff stays online for us, and maybe a trust was broken or there's been some kind of uh, ch challenge or wound or trauma, and now we perceive it around us whether it's a real threat or not. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? God, God put that place that alerts us that something might be dangerous inside of us for a good reason, I think, to keep us safe. So noticing something that brings up a little fear, I don't think is a sin, but, you know, 2 Timothy says, for God did not give me a spirit of fear, of timidity. He said, don't live in that. Don't live in that. 
You're sitting at your crossroads, you're feeling the fear, complaining and blaming, you're stuck. And I hear God saying, Roy, face your fear, move through it. Be courageous and go. I'm with you and let's go. Uh, access your leader, I'm with you, let's go. And then number four, Joshua 1, 8. So do not let the book, this book of law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. That's a powerful verse. That's a powerful word. I, I read that as God really wants to be with you. God wants to be with me. He wants me to stop and pause and come be with him in some way. He wants me to be with him in, in scripture and in prayer. I, I, I could say fasting, but you can tell I don't practice fasting regularly. You didn't have to laugh so loud. But, but to tell you the truth, I do spend time with God almost every day. Almost every day, I have this routine. I call it sitting with Jesus. <laughs> I sit with Jesus around a scripture that's a, out of, a, out of a, a text. I sit with Jesus in an old school journal and I write prayers and I write listening prayers. I hear what, what God's saying through scripture about all the stuff that I got going on that day. And mostly it's like little stuff. But sometimes there's big stuff. And I just sit with him in it. I'm not telling you that to say, uh, look at me. I'm saying, I, God, it says in, in uh, I'm sorry, it's not coming to mind, that God pleasures and delights in us, that he wants to be with us. We bring him pleasure the way that the, the bridesmaid brings the bride, the groomsman, uh, the, I'm sorry, the groom pleasure. That was a whole other sermon there. <laughs> So, 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 so here's, what I'm, here's what I'm asking you to consider. How can you go be with God more so that when you face the crossroads, you're in a good place to deal with them? Every once in a while I hear somebody say, I, I know what I've been taught, I know what the scripture says, but God wants me to be happy and this is what I'm going to do. They're at the crossroads in their marriage. They're at a crossroads with uh, something else in their life. And let me tell you, this scripture is in there. I mean, this, this message that God gave Joshua is in there, I think, to be the compass that gets us through those times. If God's telling you to do something other than what the scripture says, if God's telling you to do something that isn't congruent with scripture, it ain't from God. It's not from God. <laughs> And, all right, and then the last, uh, the last point is uh, number five. God has a blessing for you. Joshua 1.7 says, my um, servant Moses gave you, do not turn from it right or left, that you may be successful wherever you go. And verse eight, at the end of it, it says, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever, you, oh, oh, uh, for, oh, the, then, uh, verse eight, then you will be prosperous and successful. Look, uh, this isn't a prosperity kind of gospel situation. This isn't saying, well, whatever you want, you can dream it, you can manifest it, it's gonna show up. 
It's not like God's a Santa Claus is just going to give you that. Like, uh, I, I see these uh, beautiful new F-150s, and then I look at the price tag, and I know it's not for me, right? But then I want it still. But it doesn't matter, I think, how much praying I'm going to do. <laughs> it's God isn't like a Santa Claus God. And, and there's a promise on the other side of our action. One business owner said, uh, action eats, uh, <laughs> action eats will, eats wishes, wishes for lunch. Something, I, I messed that up. Here's, the, here's what I'm trying to say. Thanks for your patience with me. Here's what I'm trying to say. You're at the crossroads. You're at the crossroads of a hard decision, and you're complaining and blaming, which is a telltale sign that you're stuck and that you're afraid. And I believe God is telling us that he blesses when we get into action, when we move off of stuck and we get into action on whatever it is. I don't know what all the answers are about the evangelical church's challenges right now. I know what happened back then. Joshua was accepted, the people followed him, and they took the promised land. That's what happened back then at their crossroads. You may be at a crossroads in any number of things I want you to know that you don't have to be there alone. There are leaders in this church who are there to be with you. God is with you, whether you feel him with you or not. That, that God's going to bless when you are courageous and move through, face the fear and move through it. And there's a blessing on the other side for you. And I want, I want you to know that as the praise team is on their way back up here, that you don't have to face it alone. There are beautiful, this beautiful church will come alongside you and whatever the challenges are. Some of you may be facing something very serious and we wanna be here for you in that. So uh, Les and there may be some others down here, I'm happy to pray with you as well here in just a minute. But I also wanna encourage you, if you're someone who's never taken a step fully in the faith, or you're struggling with trust in God and you're wondering if he's really real or not, that you might not leave here this morning without, without visiting with one of us, uh, one of the leaders of this church and having, having some time about that. Well, I wanna invite you to stand and uh, as the praise team leads us and meet us down here if there's something that we can do for you.